In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. We celebrate today that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. That by the death of Jesus Christ, death has been trampled down, and therefore his mystical body, which is the church, is not torn asunder by death. We celebrate that the bodied and the disembodied comprise the one body of Jesus Christ, which is, again, the church. We celebrate that the just souls of men and women made perfect are active in the life of the church militant on earth. God has indeed, as the collect for today says, he has knit together his elect in one communion and fellowship. Communion and fellowship. That means relationship. That means, in the words of the great English poet John Donne, that there is a commerce betwixt heaven and earth. Again, the living and the dead in Christ are not cut off from one another. We're in business together. We are co-laborers in the kingdom. We are united in worship. The worship of the church is the worship of the whole church. When the members of the church here on earth worship, they do so with all the company of heaven. So communion and fellowship, the communion of saints means relationship. It means friendship. The saints are our friends. And more than that, they are our family. And today, the feast of all saints is, if you will, a family reunion where we give thanks to God for our aunts and uncles in the faith who by their example and who by their intercession point and bring us to Jesus. So the saints minister to the members of the church on earth that's us, in case you forgot what planet you were on. They minister, us, minister to us by way of example and intercession. Now, if you can remember as far back as last All Saints Day, uh, you might remember that my sermon, Last All Saints, was focused primarily on the saints as intercessors. Arguing, I think I went pretty hard in the pain on it, uh, arguing that the saints do indeed pray for us and that it is fitting and right for us to ask for their prayers and that the invocation of saints makes excellent biblical and theological sense. Because again, the saints are family. There are aunts and uncles. There are brothers and sisters in Christ. And though they are veiled from our eyes, though they are undetected by our senses, we can ask for their prayers just like we would the brother or sister in Christ sitting next to us. So that's what I did last year. Today we're going to focus on the saints as exemplars, as witnesses. The saints by their witness, that is by their faith, by their sanctity, they spur us on towards Christ. Those who ran the race exceedingly well, 
are examples to us who are still running. The faith of the saints can and should fan into flame our faith. And this ministry by way of witness and legacy is what's going on in Hebrews chapters 11 and 12. Hebrews 11, often called the Hall of Faith, a play on the Hall of Fame, is where many of the Old Testament saints are recounted. And then in chapter 12, the scriptures say, Therefore, seeing that we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us and run with patience, run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. So the whole logic of that passage is that the saints call and inspire us to follow them as they followed Christ. And as we journey through the Christian year, uh, and this is going to be such a gift when we have our own spot and we can actually celebrate a feast that maybe occurs on a Tuesday, not on Sunday. <laughs> we don't have to transfer everything. But as we journey through the Christian year, through the church calendar, celebrating the various feasts of the saints, we are implicitly and in the collects, often explicitly, asking God to do in us what he did in them. Not so much asking God that we would be able to do the miraculous, but that we would have the love for God that they had. That we would have the faith that they had. And so as we go through the Christian year, and especially today as we have the Feast of All Saints, this is one of the main ways that we can cultivate communion with the saints. And it's one of the ways that we can be beneficiaries of their ministry. The saints have a ministry. The saints, though dead, still speak. And throughout the Christian year, and especially today, is an opportunity that we can hear them, that we can be inspired by them, so that we can learn from them. So, so this morning, I'm going to talk about St. Augustine. Hopefully the other saints don't get mad at me for, for leaving them out, because it's all saints, it's not his feast day. But we see in the life of Augustine, St. Augustine of Hippo, we see the ministry of the communion of saints at work. We see a man who was inspired by the faithfulness of others. That was inspired by the faith and the virtue of others. So in St. Augustine of Hippo, and this is also, yes, I am shamelessly plugging the small group study, which starts in two days, where we're going to look at St. Augustine, appropriate for all saints died. But in St. Augustine, we see the cloud of witnesses at work. We see this ministry of the saints as exemplars. We see the transformative power of a life fully devoted to Jesus. The example, it was the example, it was the witness of St. Antony of Egypt, the great desert father, 
It was his example that was instrumental. It played a role in the conversion of St. Augustine to Christianity. I mean, you have to give most of the credit to his, his mother's prayers. His mother prayed him into the kingdom. But St. Antony of Egypt played a role as well. Uh, and the story of Antony, many of you know it. When Antony was about 18 years old, he was in church one day. And upon hearing the gospel, go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor, then come and follow me, he realized that Jesus was not only speaking to the rich young ruler, but to him. And this experience of grace in the liturgy of the church precipitated his flight into the desert to seek God. Now, St. Augustine, just a few years later, had a somewhat similar experience, which he writes of at length in a book called The Confessions. And right before Augustine comes to Christ, this happens. He's in a garden, and he, he's tormented. He's torn between life and death, and heaven and hell, between God's way and his own way. And he's become convinced, and one of the reasons that he's torn, because he knows what he ought to do. He's become convinced that Jesus is indeed the way and the truth and the life. He knows that he ought to do what Antony did, namely run towards God with a singleness of will. And while he's in anguish in this garden, he, he hears the voice of a child, a girl or a boy he does not know. And the child is chanting, not religious chanting, but singing like a child would sing when playing a schoolyard game. And the child is chanting, tole. Legge, tole, legge. Pick it up and read it. Pick it up and read it. So Augustine, this happens to him, and he recalls the account of the conversion of St. Antony. And sensing that the words of the child were a divine command, he goes and picks up the scriptures and reads the first words he turns to, which in his case were Romans chapter 13, verses 12 through 14, which is talking about casting off the works of darkness, putting off, making no provision for the flesh, but putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, which if you know anything about the life of Augustine, yes, he had to put off the works of the flesh and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So he, he flips the scriptures, first thing he sees, reads it, and he knew in that moment that like Antony, those words were meant for him personally, that he, enabled by the grace of God, was to put off the lust of the flesh and the ambition on which he was drunk, and he was supposed to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The lives of the saints, in this case, the lives of St. Antony and St. Augustine, should cause us to reflect, this is just one example of how the communion of saints works. It should cause us to reflect on one example, how we engage the scriptures. How did they read the scriptures? Yes, we should adopt the patristic method of interpretation, but I'm talking about more that we should adopt their disposition. That the saints read scripture as scripture. 
In other words, they took the scriptures seriously that these were actually the words of God and that they should respond to the words of God and act on them. See, I think also, oftentimes we can read scripture in a way that's with a critical, objective distance, and we end up fashion, fashioning a sort of barrier between us and the word of God, which makes the arrows of truth unable to strike us in the heart. At the very least, brothers and sisters, let us consider that the words of the scripture are addressed to us here and now, not merely to people living 2,000 years ago. Let us remember that when the gospel is read in our midst, Jesus speaks to us, and we speak back to him. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Let us, like the saints, ever posture ourselves before the scriptures, as the young Samuel did, saying, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Augustine, hearing of the faith of St. Antony, uh, he was moved by it. He was amazed. Even though St. Antony had lived uh, in the generation just prior, uh, Augustine was like two, two years old, pretty much a baby when Antony died in 356. He had never heard of him. You know, he didn't have Google. Um, he didn't have Instagram. He, he, he had never heard of Antony until he became, just before he became a Christian. The point is this, that God used the faith and the witness and the character of the saints to draw Augustine unto himself. And this is what the communion of saints is all about. God uses this great cloud of witnesses. Whether we find their lives in scripture, which that's a good place to start, or in the history of the church, God uses the heroic faith and surrender of the saints to call us and move us to surrender. So may we remember, as we talked about last week, that the call of every Christian is a call to sainthood. And may God, working through their examples and through their intercessions, bring us to the end of the race, which is to behold our Lord face to face forevermore. Let us pray. O God, who has brought us near to an innumerable company of angels and to the spirits of just men made perfect, grant us during our earthly pilgrimage to abide in their fellowship and in our heavenly country to become partakers of their joy through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.